Hello, welcome to Coming Out and Beyond LGBTQIA Stories and Support. My name is Amory Zanzel and I came out later in life. I am a lesbian, an ordained minister, a mom, a partner to a wonderful woman, and I coach people through the coming out process later in life. I created this series because I believe that through stories and story sharing, we can learn, discover, and connect with each other. Listening to others' stories helps us hear our own. My guest today is Olivia Hill. She was born and raised in Nashville, Tennessee. She served 10 years in the U.S. Navy and has worked at Vanderbilt University for 25 years. She is on the board of directors for Nashville LGBT Chamber of Commerce, Vanderbilt Women's Committee Fighting for Women's Rights, and was elected to the University Staff Advisory Council and the Equal Diversity and Inclusion Committee. Olivia. Welcome. Hi. It is nice to have you here. We have sort of been drifting in the same circles for a while now. And it's so it's nice to finally meet you. It's exciting. Um, before Olivia and I um, were chatting before the podcast, she's what we is known as a Nashville unicorn, meaning <laughs> she's a Nashville native. My partner is also a Nashville native. So it's finally to meet the other one. <laughs> yeah, there's not many of us. <laughs> We get, together, we get together in the summertime and have a little picnic. <laughs> yeah, the four of you. Um, so, um, Olivia, can you tell me your story? Sure. Um, where would I start? I guess to be accurate, I have to go all the way to the very beginning to kind of understand where I am now. Um, mm -hmm. My dad left when I was a year and a half old, uh, mm -hmm. so it was just mom and I. Um, and in, in the first part of my growing up, I really didn't feel uh, like I was any different than my mom. Mm -hmm. um, I wasn't old enough to understand that we had different parts, but I knew that I liked the same things she liked. We talked about the same things. We enjoyed going shopping and cooking and, and um, a lot of things like that around the house. And so mm -hmm. I didn't really feel any different. <clears throat> um, I have a female cousin uh, who our paths used to uh, cross a lot. We all ended up over at my grandmother's uh, as the babysitter for a lot. Uh, and she used to practice doing my hair and makeup and a lot of things. And uh, I wore some of her clothes and mm -hmm. um, I really just didn't feel any different. Mm -hmm. uh, and then in, in fifth grade, Miss Harris class, and uh, I was about 10 years old, I wanted to start wearing dresses to school. Mm -hmm. And that's when mom, kind of sat down and had to talk with me that I couldn't do that. Mm -hmm. So um, she took me to a psychiatrist in Green Hills uh, mm -hmm. for two years, uh, every Wednesday to teach me that <clears throat> wanting to be a girl and enjoying girl things and wanting to wear girls clothes and things like that was wrong and bad and I shouldn't think and want those things. Mm -hmm. um, it's also the reason why I take my estrogen shot every single Wednesday is a kind mm -hmm. of a way to say, yeah, BF, big F you. Yeah, you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, and at the same time, and, and, and I've been through a lot of therapy to get to where I'm at. And yeah, a lot of them have asked along the way, you know, do you resent your mom for all the things she did? And, and I don't because in 1975, mom didn't know any different. They didn't know right. what transgender was. All she knew was my sweet boy thinks he's a girl. <laughs> Well, and you so, know, it's funny because it's not uncommon. I have had several clients talk to me about 
um, one now that uh, uh, they're 62. And when they were growing up, um, they thought they were a boy. They just thought they were a boy. And um, when they hit about nine, their mother sat them down and they said, no, honey, you're a girl and you're a little girl and you can't be a boy. Right. And, and so I think that's, and you know, a little older than us, because I think we're about the same age, yeah. but still the same generation in which you were told, no, you, you're a boy, you know, that's what you are. Right? right. Yeah. So you have no anger towards your mom. No, not at all. Yeah. And uh, so she really tried kind of um, everything she could to try to help me out. Um, mm -hmm. That's also when my dad kind of came back in the picture a little bit. And I can only imagine what must have gone in the background that she coaxed him into yeah. coming back into my life a little while. And it was very sporadic and, and, and very rare that he did, but he was there some. Mm -hmm. um, and then she signed me up for baseball, and basketball, mm -hmm. football, mm -hmm. uh, Cub Scouts, Boy Scouts, uh, and every other manly thing she could think of to try you to- Had a testosterone overload. Try to, try to get, get me manned up, you know? Um, and so, for a long time, I really felt like I was broken yeah. uh, because I didn't feel that way inside, but I'm being told by a doctor, when you start at age 10 and a doctor tells you that what you're thinking and feeling is wrong, mm -hmm. and you believe them. Mm -hmm. Because up until that age, you know, your parents are it. I mean, they're golden. I mean, they could say whatever and you believe them until around, you know, eight or nine or so, and you start to kind of question them a little bit. Until you sit at nine or 10 and you're like, hey, is this really real? Yeah. You know, but that's when you start to kind of transition from believing everything your parents tell you to, for a while, you start to believe everything that your pastor, your doctor, your teacher, and people mm -hmm. of authority, policemen, whatever they tell you, you, you tend to think that that's the gospel, you know, for a long time, through well, yeah. a lot of your, you know, early, early teen years. Mm -hmm. And so, this doctor told me that I couldn't think that way. And if I did, I was wrong. And so um, I really felt broken. Mm -hmm. um, and once I hit around 13 or 14, uh, I started to kind of try to date um, mm -hmm. because I've always been attracted to women, but I, I tried to date and, and none of them would really go out with me much. I was too feminine or, or, they all kind of felt like something was off. I actually have a friend of mine now who uh, I dated back in high school and we didn't date very long, a couple of months and she broke up with me and she confided in me that she just thought I was gay because I was just too feminine. I, I, I mm -hmm. dressed too nice. I pressed all my clothes and and uh, just didn't so really the fit the mold of a, a manly man for her. Well, and uh, so the assumption was that you were gay. Right. right. So, so I really tried to uh kind of man myself up too because I, I i had this doctor tell me that's what i'm supposed to do and mm -hmm. i'm being around all these people that you know and then trans never comes out oh at all for a long time in my life <clears throat> and so it did it it probably considering the culture you were raised in the South and the culture you were raised in and stuff, it just probably didn't even cross your mind. You no. had no examples of it, none. 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 And then, and so I started going through and I started trying to be as manly as I could. I started trying to 
uh, mimic a lot of people that I knew uh, at high school. I went to Hillwood, and so I tried to kind of get friends with some of the jocks and some of the other people, and I tried to mimic them and tried to be as cool or mm -hmm. whatever as I could possibly be to mm -hmm. live this lie that I, I felt at the time. Um, and then at 16, uh, I met this girl at the McDonald's here in Bellevue. <laughs> And uh, we dated for four years mm -hmm. and uh, then she broke up with me. Mm -hmm. And I felt like, well, what am I gonna do now? She's the only person in my life that actually believed the lie. Nobody mm -hmm. else I have tried to go out with, believe me, they all thought I was gay or something was wrong. Mm -hmm. um, and it just, it just broke my heart. I didn't know what to do or where to go. Uh, and a really good friend of mine, Richard Sumro, uh, his brother was in the Navy and had just come into town a couple of weekends before that and was just bragging about um, how awesome the Navy was and all these great places he, he had been. And uh, the movie Officer and the Gentleman hadn't been out very long. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought, you know, Richard Gere went in the Navy and he was not really together. And I they kind of manned him up. And I thought that that's what I'll do. That's what I'll, I'll do. The, the Navy will fix me. Yeah. Yeah, the Navy will make me whole. They and will make so, me a man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I went uh, to Harding Mall, which mm -hmm. is no longer there. Uh, I signed up and joined the Navy. Mm -hmm. I wanted in the Navy, out of Nashville, and be manly. How did your mom feel um, about that? Uh, boot camp was not. Uh, boot camp was not a cakewalk. No. Uh, boot camp was rough. Mm -hmm. Because uh, I still kind of had a little bit of a feminine voice, um, and I got beat up a lot. They mm -hmm. um, used to have uh, what the Navy calls blanket parties, mm -hmm. and that's where they take a when you're asleep, they take to throw a blanket over you, and you get two or three people on either side, and they they hold it down so that you're basically mummified and you can't move. Mm -hmm. Everybody in the whole barracks gets a chance to, you know, to hit you. Oh. And I've had my nose broke and lip busted. And I don't think I broke any ribs, but it hurt to breathe several times. So I'm pretty sure I had cracked uh, mm -hmm. ribs. Um, and I remember one time I was beaten up pretty bad and uh, my face was kind of bloody and I took off running. And I went and hid in the shower and was in the corner. And the uh, company commander uh, came in the room, but he also standard I'll never forget this day and he said what happened to you and I said uh, I slipped on the stairs mm. and he said well I would suggest you be a little bit more careful and not fall on the stairs since we're on the first floor mm. and it was kind of his way of saying I know what happened and you but better straighten your ass up and it'll it'll go away yeah um, yeah I'm so sorry that happened to you you must have been so disappointed and so that was that was April 19th, 1986. Mm -hmm. um, April 20th, I got up and I decided that uh, I needed I needed to hide all of this of me. I needed mm -hmm. to make sure this is hidden and that nobody else is going to see this because several of the men that beat me up told me that they were going to kill me if they didn't if I didn't man up. Now I know that they wouldn't have, but um, it was enough to scare me. Mm -hmm. And so. I tried to really man myself up and I, I changed my voice as best I could. I tried to get as deep a voice as I could and, 
and I just walked around and just tried to to be. Mm -hmm. um, Try to move I, like like how a stereotypical man moves and yeah. stuff like yeah. Because yeah. that's the big that's the a lot of times the big giveaway, you know, how people move. And so when you see a a, a man move, they they what we perceive as a straight man they move in a very particular way. Yes, and it's yeah. and, I, and I learned and I studied, and it comes out weird, but I mean, I studied men a no, lot. I think that's pretty normal when you're trying to fit in. Yeah. I think that's super normal. And yeah. I, I watched a lot of movies and I tried to mimic people and things that they said, things that they did and things, how they were. Um, and so I really tried to be this person that, mm -hmm everybody said I was supposed to be mm -hmm. um and I made it survive through boot camp I got my first duty station ended up in Guantanamo Bay Cuba what a beautiful mm -hmm. place that is <laughs> um like, is there sarcasm there <laughs> so and then uh I got transferred there we went uh, I went on a uh we went overseas for a while I ended up in, in Amsterdam for a while mm -hmm. I got a letter um uh, from my ex-girlfriend or from her sister saying that she missed me and, and she should have never broke up with me and wanted me back and all these things. And I thought, well, I'll call her. And so I called her from Amsterdam and I don't remember now what it was, but it was like a 40 or $50 phone bill. And back in the eighties, that's like a five or $600 phone bill now. Mm -hmm. uh, but I called and I asked her, asked her if she wanted to go out. Mm -hmm. And uh, she said, yeah. And I said, well, I'm, I'm overseas. I won't be back for at least another five more months. But when I get back, if you're still willing, we'll go out. And she said, yeah. And um, I got back. I was stationed in Charleston, South Carolina, and we started going out. And I drove back and forth from Charleston, South Carolina every Friday night and drove back every Monday morning. Wow. Um, That's commitment. Yes. For, for almost a year. And then uh, we ended up getting married. Uh, mm -hmm. And shortly after we were married, uh, within 30 days, she was pregnant uh, with our first child, my son. Mm -hmm. And uh, shortly after that, I got shipped overseas again. Mm -hmm. uh, he was four months and four days old the very first time I saw him. Oh, wow. And uh, <clears throat> within two weeks, she was pregnant again. That was great. And, and I was like, wow. And it was funny because growing up as an only child, I really, I really kind of went through a lot of things and I and I one of the things that I really wanted to do was to be a parent growing up um because I wanted to show my kids that I wasn't going to walk out of their life like my dad did me um and I mainly just pined for him most of most of my life he came in and out here and there and I tried my best to, to have a relationship with him but we we're just two very different people well he's not um, obviously not capable I yeah. mean, you know, sometimes people are just not capable of having a relationship with us. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, you know, and I wanted, I wanted to be married. I wanted to, to have a partner and I wanted to have a bunch of kids. Um, well, yeah. And I it's wanted a narrative that, you know, that you're a man and this is what manly men do. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we had our first one and I went, oh crap, this is expensive. And then, and we had a second one. I was like, we can't afford this. We got to quit. <laughs> so did you have two sons? No, I had a son and a daughter. Okay, son and daughter. All right. Yeah, yeah my daughter was born. Uh, my son was born in October uh, 19th. 
and uh, my, my daughter was born Christmas Day. Oh, wow. So 15 months apart. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so all of this time, I'm just. Did you sort of put it away? Because what I did with my sexuality is I put it away, especially when I had children. Like, I didn't think about being, I mean, like in my 20s and teens, I struggled with being gay, but I put it away like when I started having babies and living a very straight life. I just put it away and forgot about it for like 10 years. Did you yeah. do that? No, no, I tried. I really did. Um, mm -hmm. But it, it just wouldn't go away. Yeah. Um, and so I would uh, take a sick day. Mm -hmm. And I would just get dressed as me uh, mm -hmm. and just lounge around the house. And I just felt just normal. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't anything sexual. I wasn't, I didn't feel yeah. like a cross dress or anything. And I, and I got dressed up for some sort of, you know, sexual thing or whatever. I just felt like me. You um, were in the clothes. Yeah. You so were in I would, clothes would take a sick day or, or wait till she went to the grocery store. Um, and went and changed and just sat around the house for an hour while she was gone or, mm -hmm. or whatever, mm -hmm. secretly kind of hoping that maybe one day she would catch me and, and she'd be okay with it and I could come out. Um, mm -hmm. But we were together uh, 16 years and got a divorce and I never did tell her. No. Um, as time went on, the internet was really coming around and I started doing a lot of reading and research and then there really wasn't, excuse me, a whole lot in the beginning Mm -hmm. um what was there was very derogatory and sexual and mm -hmm. um porn and just stuff like that and it just i i didn't i didn't it didn't click in my head what was going on mm -hmm. um as time going went on i continued to really just hate what was between my legs to a point mm -hmm. that I, I would never go without underwear i would never Mm -hmm. you know, walk around the house where I could see it. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and I, I just hated that part of me. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, and then as time kind of went on, um, I would, I had more time alone mm -hmm. and I started to dress, you know, more like myself. Um, uh, I was never brave enough to really, you know, leave the house or anything, but it, at that time, it really wasn't about becoming me, as mm -hmm. I know it now. Mm -hmm. uh, it was just a, about kind of like the pressure built up. And I just, I had to dress. I had to dress up as me. I had to feel normal to get some sort of belief. It was like an anxiety and, and it would build up in me and I would have to do something. Well, that makes a lot of sense that it was anxiety because it's a lot, it's very anxious to live. It's, like I know like a lot of my anxiety and depression, well, before COVID, but my anxiety and depression- That's a whole away. nother show. Yeah, that's just a whole nother show. But it went away when I came out because I was finally, I finally felt like who I was supposed to be and how I was supposed to live my life and who I was supposed to be partnered with. That like, so I can imagine when you um, put on women's clothes and stuff like that, that like your anxiety level went phew, it did. I this felt very calm and very, very relaxed. Very relaxed and calm. And this, okay, God, thank God I can put on my own clothes now. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so that continued on for a while uh, mm -hmm. until 
see, mom's been gone, I think five years. Mm-hmm. This February will be six years. Mm-hmm. Um, and when my mom passed, um, that just kind of took everything away from me. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom never remarried. Uh, we were great friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it virtually destroyed me mentally for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't even leave the house at all for like a month. Mm-hmm. And I started going to, to therapy to try to work something else. Like I've got to do something. I've got to get back to work. I've got to live. I can't just mm-hmm. lay around and be sad. I mean, I, I know I miss her, but. Well, uh, that's grief. I mean, grief is, grief can be really hard. <laughs> and once I started going to therapy and I started to just pour all my feelings out and what I, I tell people is kind of when my egg cracked and I heard a trans woman tell me that a couple of years ago. And when she said it, it was just fit, mm-hmm. you know, it just fit because once I was in therapy and my egg cracked and that part of me just kind of came out, mm-hmm. it, it, it just came out. Yeah. All of it. And there was no putting it back. Right. Yeah. And luckily I was with somebody mm-hmm. who he's like, you're transgender. And I'm like, what is that? You and, didn't know up to that point. And no, because at this point, I just thought I was weird or, or mm-hmm. broken or wrong or mm-hmm. something. Um, and so I, I said, okay, so now I've got a word. Let me do some reading and research and figure out all I can about that. And when I did, it was just like, huh, yeah. that's why I felt that way. And this is why I did this through my life. And this is how I felt here and how, why I felt that way. And all these emotions and feelings all just started coming in. Mm-hmm. And I struggled with it for a couple of years as I read and, and researched and talked to people and tried to figure out, you know, how do I, how do I move forward? You know, what am I, what am I going to do? Um, and so it was about three years, two years, two and a half years or so. And I finally, I was like, you know what? I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. I have got to be me mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know my biggest fear was somebody trying to use this against me towards my kids or something like that or work and I thought let's be first mm-hmm. and so I took each one of my kids out uh, to dinner I took my son and his wife um, to Outback State House and I <laughs> uh, started talking to them and then I took a picture of me dressed as me and I showed it to them and I said I'm transgender and this is me and this is the path I'm going mm-hmm. and my son just looked at me and said I don't care mm-hmm. it makes you happy that's fine by me mm-hmm. and it was just like huge huge mm-hmm. weight came off of my shoulders right because um, mm-hmm. I, I really didn't know how he was going to take it Mm-hmm. And so I kind of got giddy and got a little excited. And I thought, okay, so I got to tell my daughter. So I called my daughter and told her I wanted to take her out to dinner. And I told her, and she was like, I don't care. Wow. And then all of a sudden I felt empowered. It's like, you can't hurt me now. That was my biggest fear was somebody <laughs> telling my children and my children being upset with me or however that would have all panned out and everything. And, um, now I took the power away from you mm-hmm. and I just, I just felt empowered. I felt am- amazing. And I started uh, the weekend of Thanksgiving, 
2017, I started taking estrogen. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to do this. I don't know how in the world I'm going to tell Vanderbilt. And I don't know when I'm going to tell Vanderbilt or what I'm going to do, but I've just got to do this. I don't, I don't care. I don't care what happens or, you know, mm-hmm. who, who knows and who gets upset. I mean, mm-hmm. my kids know, and I have my kids support and I'm okay. Mm-hmm. Nothing else really matters to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a trans girl tell me, and I can't, I wish, I really wish I would have remembered her name, but I'd love to go back and talk to her. And she told me, she's like, well, being transgender is hard. She said, I'll go ahead and tell you right now, just look around your life and everything you have in your life right now, consider it gone. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, you will lose virtually most of everything that's in your, currently in your life right now. Mm -hmm. And I thought, honey, you're just bitter. I'm so sorry that you've had a hard time, but you know, I, I've got the support from my kids. And, and once I've got support from them, you know. That's all I cared about. Right. To, to be bluntly, everybody else could just be damned. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started seeing another endocrinologist and she started me on estrogen injection, mm-hmm. uh, which is more powerful than the pill. And she told me in January of 18 that it would probably be around five to six months or so. And I would possibly start to show a little bit, mm-hmm. start having some breast growth. And so I thought, well, come summertime, I'm going to have to tell Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. O- otherwise, they're going to be like, what the heck? Mm-hmm. And uh, so I uh, tried to figure out what in the world to do. And, and uh, I finally got the courage and I came out to Vanderbilt and um, told them. And in the very beginning, they were very supportive. Uh, and so I thought... I'm good. Mm -hmm. I'm great. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is easier than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, this is a cakewalk. Yeah. Um, And then I started to learn that, you know how when you have somebody come and tell you something and you're like, oh, that's, that's great. That's awesome. And then you walk away and you're like, oh, hell. Yeah. Yeah. I started to learn that's what everybody had done. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and nobody wanted to say anything mean to my face, and they just act supported, supportive towards me. Mm-hmm. And so I really had this false sense of security, and then and then I started noticing that everything was starting to drop off. Mm-hmm. Um, people that I got along with at work didn't speak to me anymore. Friends that I had known since high school walked away. Um, people that I have been friends with for a long time walked away. My kids walked away. My entire family has disowned me. Mm-hmm. And there's really nobody in my life right now that has been in my life more than a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody else is gone. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been a real, it, I was talking to a friend this morning and I told them, I said, you know, it's kind of like a, Sorry, this cold weather's got my nose running. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like um, witness protection program, and you're just kind of plucked out of here, and you're given a whole brand new life, mm-hmm. and here start all over. Yeah, and uh, you know a lot of things that people never speak of, and it's a in the trans world and the trans community, there's a lot of people talk, and there's a there's a gazillion. You can get online, and you can find a mm-hmm. bunch of different. That, that will tell you 
when you should take estrogen, how you should take it, how much you should take it, what your estrogen level should be, and where to go to get it, what to do if you have insurance, what to do if you don't have insurance, and how to get support to get your letters, and all these things. There's all kind of amazing stuff out there. Um, and that's great for start. Yeah. But almost nobody talks about what goes on after post-op. And well, you start living your life. And the things that nobody prepared me for um, were some of the biggest lessons I've had to learn. Um, and and uh, one was the loss of the male privilege I never knew I had. Mm. And it was, I, I, I had no idea. I, I didn't know that I had any privilege. And, and mm. well, it's because we use the word privilege in the wrong sense. You know what I mean? We always think it means wealth but it doesn't. It doesn't. No. It doesn't. And, you, and I look back on it now and there's so many men and I've had people say to some people that I know, it's like, oh, well, you've got white male privilege. And, and they're always like, no, I don't. No, my I daddy was rich. <laughs> I work my butt off for every single thing I've got. There's nobody giving me anything. Mm -hmm. And and I and I have really kind of opened my eyes and look back at it and, and the fact that, well, no, nobody gave me anything, but you had it. You had no idea because had you not been white male, cisgender Christian, mm -hmm. um, you would have had to work twice as hard and probably not be near as far as you are now. Exactly. Because once you would have got halfway through it, you would have probably got frustrated. Mm -hmm. And what a lot of people do is they just get content with wherever they're at. They struggle and they work hard to get to a certain level and then just stop. Mm -hmm. Once they don't see any any forward movement, mm -hmm. um, and so and then the other thing is just I've had to learn to be me. You know, mm -hmm. I, I had no idea about um, sexism. I had no idea about mansplaining. I had welcome I, to the club, honey. <laughs> I had I had no idea how stupid I would be now in, in, in a an auto parts store to walk in and ask for, you know, a spark plug for my lawnmower or something like that, or, or windshield mm -hmm. wipers or something. And all of a sudden I'm. Someone's explaining something that you know very well. Yeah. It's like, honey, I run a power plant. I'm exactly what a spark plug is for, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know what I hear from you, Olivia, too, is, um, which we, you know, women, when, when people come out later in life, even if it's just to about their sexuality is the grief, the loss. You know, I heard you mention it a little bit. Nobody prepares you for the loss. Like you think everybody, like at me, same way, the only people I cared about were my kids. I have four, only people I cared about with, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things. Um, and I had a really hard time with two of them. Two were fine. My bookends were fine. They were always were fine. Um, but my two middle children really, really struggled. And my second child has, has just come, come out as non-binary. So I think there was a lot of stuff going on with them at the time in which they were like, oh my God, my mom's doing this and <laughs> I'm struggling with this stuff and like, what the hell's happening and stuff like that. And, and my son, um, who was 24, you know, he was in his first romance with his girlfriend in college. And so I did get divorced when I came out. So you were past, you didn't have to do that, which was great. Um, but I did get divorced when I came out and it, and it threw everybody for a loop and like everything got tossed in the air and then everything starts to fall back, you know, and it's, it's like waking up in another life, isn't it? 
It is. Yeah. And 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 it's funny that you kind of put it that way because I think that that's that's kind of where I'm at is mm -hmm. is is um, grief. Yeah. Uh, because I I am having to learn everything. I'm having to learn how to sit, how to walk, how to talk, how to be, how to understand things differently, how to um, not stare at someone that, you know, mm -hmm. men perceive eye contact as you're engaged, you know, and some, some women don't like that. So you have mm -hmm. to, you have to learn to, to kind of look away occasionally and, and, and then mm -hmm. look back mm -hmm. so much. Um, and, and there's a lot of things that little girls get through their early teen years that, you know, mom tells you to do this and do that and don't do this and whatever you do, don't shave, you know, fuck them because it'll just make <laughs> you grow faster. And, um, you know, so many helpful, helpful hints, you know, and, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of things like that. And, um, there's a bunch of things, female, uh, hygiene and, and, you know, I've had to try to, we get stuff out yes um mm -hmm. and so it's been uh it's Do been you, very different and, and in the meantime it was like you know i i had this person mm -hmm. i was fake mm -hmm. but i was safe yeah. uh, because i had my armor on i was protected and i could go home and i could put on a dress and i could be me and i could be by myself and i could be relaxed and it's straight you know it's like i think when we come like you and i both came out later it's like we had straight privilege for so long and then it's 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 gone and it is um disconcerting at first then you get used to it and then you get pissed <laughs> you get really pissed but it's like we were both of us you know, we live very heteronormative lives. And right. then when you change it, when you're in your forties or fifties, it is a shock to the system, <laughs> really is. And so the other big thing I've had to try to work through is, is dating lesbian women, because mm -hmm. I've always dated women, but they've mm -hmm. always been straight women. Mm -hmm. And so the lesbian community is very hard little group to get in the middle of yes. you can't just you just can't walk up and get in i mean it's it's almost like a secret club and you have to kind of be sponsored by somebody else to say yes she's okay we you can let her in and right um and then you've got a lot of turfs that really you know don't believe that we belong at all mm -hmm. um and so, so can you just say what a turf is in case someone doesn't know that's a uh trans, trans exclusionary radical feminist Right. And so those are limit le lesbians that don't believe that trans women are, should be a member of lesbian groups. Correct? Yes. And there's a, there's a lot of people that see a comma after LGB mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because the LGB is sexuality. And right. so that's kind of who you like and what you are and about you, you know, kind of thing, where the T is more gender, and so that's right. different. And so a right. lot of a lot of people will put a comma in there, and it's like, you know. Well, I agree. With, you know, I yes, I I know that happens, and you know, I always wondered that myself. 
you know, when I, when I, and when I first came out, I'm like, I don't really get why the T would be LGBT because LGB is about sexuality and the T is about gender. Right. But what I came to like this realization is about is that when you're no longer in the paradigms of heteronormativity, you can play with gender all the time. So, I mean, my partner and I play with gender. We don't have prescribed roles because we're two women that are together. So we don't have prescribed roles like we do when we're living in a heteronormative marriage where, you know, the man does this, the woman does this, you know, but we don't do that. And so that's why I think that we, that the T is with the LGBT because gender and sexuality are sort of all tied together, you know, in a lot of ways, in a lot of ways. And like I said to you before we started talking tonight, I've had a couple of clients that have started out exploring their sexuality, but then as time has come, moved on, they realize it's about gender for them and it's not about their sexuality, but that's sexuality was their starting place. And I'm curious, was that your starting place or no? No, I've always, uh, no, I, as I got kind of later on in life, I, I kind of went down the, the path of, I really hated that. Mm -hmm. And so uh, for several relationships, the last probably 10 years I was in, I was in a very <sighs> submissive role and mm -hmm. um, was very much into uh, male chastity so that I didn't have to see it. I, I mm -hmm. couldn't touch it and it was just there, you know? Um, so that, that's kind of how it's been for me. And mm -hmm. I, I've always, I've never been attracted to men at all. I've never, mm -hmm. um, went that way. Um, mm -hmm. and as I've completely come out and completely come to myself, I realized because I studied men so much, I realized, and I'm very sorry for the men that are watching this, but how much of a sham it is. Mm -hmm. you know and, and and it's so fake it's all posturing and men are not allowed to cry and men are not allowed to to show fear men are not allowed to ask for directions because that shows weakness and and perfect example is a man will go out of his way to hurt another man's feelings to show that he's strong yeah and he'll call him fat or stupid or ugly or smelly or whatever just something to really be mean and put him down and mm -hmm. then that man has to act like what this man has said to him doesn't bother him so that he can prove that he too is strong and 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 you know not weak and, um, and then and then we'll walk away and say you know that jim's a super nice guy i wish i had three more like him mm -hmm. because you can't say something nice directly to a man because that makes you either one of two things. And one is weak and the other one is gay. Right. The biggest fear of any man. Straight man. Yes. yes. And I have learned that women are exactly the same, just the opposite. What do you and mean? Most women will go up to another woman and say, you know, I really love your outfit. I love how you put purple and green together. I mean, I just not many people can pull that off. But I mean, you, wow, girl, you really did that. It really looks great. And then as soon as she walks away, you're like, yeah, we got to break into Barbara's closet and put girl animals because she wore purple and green again today. You know? <laughs> you're so dating yourself when you say girl animals, you know? <laughs> right. But I know what you mean. <laughs> right. But I mean, 
because and and a lot of it is is women don't want to be perceived as as mean or a bitch or or strong-willed or anything like that mm -hmm. those are all traits that well that, a, lot of, a lot of women look at as bad but it shouldn't be well this is the thing is that so this is the feminist here um it's the patriarchy it screws us all it screws our men it screws you know for what you just said and it screws our women yes as there are prescribed but there's prescribed roles by you know a very small minority of the population <laughs> whether uh -huh. it be the church or business and and what they do is they put us all in boxes and all have us all act out certain roles that some of us were never meant to act out we were never supposed to do any of those things right what has made me happy now is that there's more representation so i'm hoping that the next generation or you know the generation that's our grandchildren's age um, won't have to deal with this as much as we ended up having to deal with it and they will have more freedom to i mean i know there's a lot of like um transgender kids and gen non non-binary kids that are very young now that are you know can you imagine what your life would have been like if you were able to do that when you thought you were the little girl back when you were eight years old you know? right and it was that was the other question that somebody asked me one time um i think it was leah newman and you mm -hmm. probably know her when i was i was going to therapy for her and she asked me she's like if you could go back um would you like to have transitioned at that early age mm -hmm. and, I, and i thought about it for a while and i thought no mm -hmm. and the reason why is because in 1975 there's no way i would be where i'm at right now as the supervisor over a power plant at one of the great universities in the south mm -hmm. with 22 people under me and mm -hmm. providing steam and electricity to, to a hospital mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. I, I just wouldn't be able to do that no you, you would have had a more you would have had a more female job right yes um and and that's if i would have been pretty passable you know if not then i would have struggled in a lot of other ways and who knows if i'd even still be alive you know there's a yeah. lot of bad things that went you know happened in the 70s mm -hmm. so and now know. and now a lot of bad things happen. well yeah. yeah yeah well it is but but it's a, it's a lot more uh it's much more in the open now than it was then so let me ask you something i mean you've been through you've been through a lot and you've had a lot of loss um what are some of the most, what are some of the positive things that you take from this experience? If somebody's watching this right now saying, oh my God, Olivia's telling my story, what would you tell that person? Don't ever give up. It's worth every bit of loss to be able to sit down as me mm -hmm. and be me and walk past a mirror and go, damn girl, you look good. <laughs> you're, a little, you're a little old, honey, but. <laughs> you look overweight, but damn it, you're you, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, there's there's nothing that can compare to that. Mm -hmm. um, and if I had to do it all again, and somebody, if I could sit down and see the entire narrative of everything I was going to go through and all that I was gonna gonna lose, mm -hmm. uh, I would still go through. I would hope that I'd be brave enough to continue to go through because. To be able to be your true authentic self 
and I've really looked at a lot of different areas of since I've started to really kind of get in the middle of all of this and it's it and trans have a lot of problems mm -hmm. it's not just us and I'd, I'd love to be able to tell you that 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 my story is unique um mm -hmm. and that I'm the only one I know that's ever been through anything like this that's unfair. but it's not and yeah. it's through every bit of the l the g the b the t the everything mm -hmm. I don't know how many people sat around this holiday season and had to either not go home because they were their authentic self or had to go home and pretend to be something that they were not. Right. And that's just as bad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I can't imagine ever going back and have to pretend again. Well, yeah, I, I, I don't. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I just I don't miss that armor that I used mm -hmm. to have. I can imagine just like having grabbing a day off here or an hour here or uh, a couple of minutes here to be yourself and now you get to be her all the time, which is wonderful. So I got a question for you. We're okay. going to wrap this up. What was your f coming out song? Do you have one? Uh, yes. Um, oh, gosh, it just went blank. <laughs> uh, train. Ah, why is that? That's an unusual one. Yeah, just because I really try to make everybody around me happy. I really want, if I could have one wish in the whole world, the whole world would just be happy. Mm -hmm. We'd all get along and we'd all understand each other and we would all be okay that, that we all are just okay with each other because there's a lot of hate in it. And, and there's a lot of people that in the LGBT that really hate straight people. Mm -hmm almost as bad as straight people hate us mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and there, it's just kind of a big vicious circle on both sides and I, I really wish we could all just get on the same train and go to the same destination and have a great time together and understand that you're short you're tall you're skinny you're whatever you're blue hair mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be about mm -hmm. um uh your about your gender it can be about anything One of my favorite movies is Fried Green Tomatoes. Um, and it's just, you know, the strength of, of that there's, there's really kind of two parts of it. And one is the strength of Iggy. And she just is this, this strong woman and she's strong-willed and, and she's gonna move forward and nobody's gonna hold her back. And, and she stands up for, for racism and people and, and, and understands that we're all just people. Mm -hmm. And then, um, gosh, I just went blank. The uh, I, yeah, I'm bad. Kathy, Kathy Bates. I can't remember the name of her character, but and and she kind of, in my mind, kind of portrays me in a kind of a way. She starts out of kind of hiding and 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 confused and not knowing what to do and how to get there and and. Itchy empowers her and, and, and gives her strength to start working out and start becoming herself and, and, and liking herself and, and being okay with who she is and what she is and what she's about. Um, and I guess I, maybe I see that movie different when a, a lot of people do, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, I just, uh, it's just we're all the same people. Yeah. So what's the best thing about your life today, Olivia? I am me. I am mm -hmm. finally me. 
and I would trade it for, for I I would not change it, nothing. There's no amount of money that I would ever change and go back, none. You know, my partner used this as an analogy is that when you start coming out, you start crossing this river and then all of a sudden you're chest high in this water and you look back at the, the bank and you're like, I don't wanna go back there. And, and then you look at the other side and you're not there yet. And then you're like, I, all I have to do is keep moving forward and I have to go forward. And, and eventually you get to the other side where you're just you after a very long struggle, you yeah. know, after a very long struggle. Well, it was wonderful to hear your story. Thank, Thank you. you so much for sharing it with me. Um, Olivia, I'm really glad I got to meet you finally after Facebook friends for a little while. So. Yeah, we've been kind of bouncing back and forth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was wonderful to meet you and hear your story. And thank you. I think I am hoping that it will give somebody the bravery they need to make the steps and changes in their life so that they can be as authentic as you are here tonight. Thank you very much. That's my goal. And that's the reason why I'm so just thrilled that you're doing this because mm -hmm. uh, I'm hoping that at least one person will sit and go, Hey, that's me. <laughs> I, I went through the same thing. I get that. Yes. Um, I know that's going to happen. So thank you so much, Olivia. I appreciate it.